can I turn the oh, yeah. atmospheric? <laughs> I mean, it's quite nice. I don't like it, but I don't like the music for plants <laughs> playlist. I'll just put if you send us a track, I'll just put it. I'll put it as a bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so welcome to Benomicon. This is Ross, and we're in another railway arch. As is the this is craft beer Manchester way, maybe craft beer, but we're with Will and James from. The fairly new balanced brewery, would you say? Yeah, yeah. It's weird because we, we, we. Our first brew was a year before we released anything, so it feels like we've been doing it for ages now. But yeah, we've we've only released like six beers or seven beers. Yeah. So yeah, pretty new. But when you tell, but if you tell us about what type of beers you're making, it will kind of make sense why it took so long at the start. It wasn't through negligence or uh, incompetence. <laughs> no, no. It's been a, it's been a long time in the planning. Yes. Uh, and we. You know, the time was planned into it, uh, and the beers that we're making are designed to take a long time, and that's that's the whole purpose of this is is to make sure that we're doing it right. Yeah. And we wanted to start that from the off. So you do, as your website says, mixed culture barrel fermented beers. Indeed. Yeah. So there was a little bit of we've always been really into this kind of a. Um, like starting off pretty much with well for me at least with like Lambic and then trying some of the UK stuff some of the US stuff and in Manchester it's kind of you know people have, people dabble in it like Cloudwater had quite a lot of barrels with this kind of beer but it was quite a unique thing for Manchester and it's just something we've loved so it was a case of just kind of diving in mm. uh, and get, getting it done um, like I said it's, it's, it feels fairly unique to the UK if anything like yeah. I was trying to think this morning you know, the it were just doing this type of beer, sorry, you know, there's mills. I'm not sure about Holy Gold, but I think they're more in line with this. Yeah. And they're then, they're a bit more on the sort of stainless side of it, but right, okay. definitely with the mixed culture and sort of you know, alternative fermentation. Yeah. <laughs> but like so there's not that many in the UK doing it, so yeah. When you first I mean, I know you've known each other for a few years now, but when you first came up with balance, was it always going to go down that road, like Yeah. I don't think there was ever any doubt that it was going to be anything else. Yeah, We've, We kind of playfully discussed about doing it the opposite way around. So we started with a mixed culture brewery, get that established, and then after 10 years, like open up like a clean offshoot. <laughs> <laughs> so we just, we just wanted to focus entirely on the mixed fermentation side of it to start with. And that's, like James was saying, an absolute fascination and love for Lambics and other mixed firm from the US and the UK just meant that's what we got to do. So where does love come from then? Obviously you've committed a lot to it now. <laughs> you've uh, you've mentioned it already, like you know you love you both feel for it. Where did that love come from and what is it about this style that makes you fascinated with it? Uh, I think both of us have got sort of slightly different paths towards it. I know that for me, anyway, I was studying biochemistry in Sheffield and I started working well, I started drinking first at the Sheffield Tap and they had as well as a lot of great cask beer. They had a lot of like Driefontein, um, Lindemann's, you know, good, but um, could be better. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, Cantillon was just incredible. Like Gers and all those Lambic fruited ales as well. And me, for me, getting into that was like the, the most important sort of fire off point. And then I got fascinated in the biochemistry of it after that. So, and then that sort of led me to follow that down the academic route and went and did a master's up in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm really fascinated with like the, the biochemistry of where the flavours come from. 
because it's like simple to make and it's been made in the Payotan land for a hundred years and more but it's so so simple on the face of it but so complex underneath and that's where my like love of it comes from there's a certain like scientific route behind yeah it, there's both of... there's both the artistry and the science yeah. the artistry was first and then the science has come along after and said like this is why it's worked right okay. like you can you can find patterns within that art yeah and translate each onto one another and it's pretty cool <laughs> what about yourself oh i remember like weirdly i vividly remember like Tried a lot of beers, but one of the most memorable experiences of trying beer for the first time was the Cantillon Creek. Remember, it was at Marble Thomas Street. And so it was, yeah, I don't know, like nine years ago or something. A long time ago now. And it was just like, just blew me away with the character of it. Like, it just was unlike anything I'd tried before. Like, you know, get starting off with like lagers, your cascales and stuff like that. And then suddenly you have this, it's just unlike anything and, and probably from that moment it was just like I need to try more of this I need to try more of this and then getting into professional brewing a few years later after doing a bit of home brewing it was just I just really wanted to make something that was that tasty so that's definitely what's left to let me uh... and it's the drive to try and reproduce those first things yeah. as well <laughs> like those initial flavours and taste of like for me I think it was like I, I think it was Drew Fontaine which is like the first lambic that I tried mm. and my mate handed it to me and said you probably don't want to like this give it, <laughs> give it a go and I was just like these little little flashes in my brain were like this is just amazing like I shouldn't like it but I do it's like with cheese and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah. yeah. really funky like strange flavours but it just works so for people who don't know then who may be more familiar with like paleos and IPAs and more like uh, regular side of it you could say yeah. What what's the difference between these type of beers that you're doing and those type of beers that you kind of uh, fell in love with then what's the main differences like in the so, brew process and so I'd say I mean there's, there's quite a few different things but you know on work production day so on the original brew day you could brew something very very similar um, like you, you're still going to use your hops uh, similar malts like you might use a bit more wheat we, we often do like especially in Lambic they use like 34% wheat but then the real point of difference is like what you're putting into it. So Lambic is like cool shit. So it's effectively like a, it's a spontaneous fermentation theoretically. And it's basically the, the yeast and stuff that's in the air and in the barrels. And it's those yeasts that, uh, just a yeast and bacteria that just create a totally different flavor profile. What we do slightly different. We don't have a cool ship, but we effectively propagate our own kind of cultures and some lab cultures of those yeast and bacteria and what happens is most clean beer is going to be one or two uh, brewer's yeast strains and these what these are just we end up with a total divergence of like character um, and I'm not explaining this very well no no it's just that thing of like yeah. when you know too much about the subject so you're trying to like you feel like you're missing a hundred things but, yeah. but that's, what yeah. that's what you always get like yeah. so I wanted to ask because I think a lot of people who get into beer like will know about the pale ales and the IPAs like the stout side of things Yeah, and they will obviously will drink wild ales or barrel ales yeah. and all mm. that but they might not know the differences yeah. obviously yeah. but I think yeah I think you explained it very well but yeah, <laughs> okay. with, with one of our beers if we if we did the brew day as normal and then we pitched in just a regular single strain of brewer's yeast, we'd probably come out with a half decent pale ale. 
after two weeks in tank and then mm. we could dry hop it and put it out but the fermentation is the I think is where the major changes occur yeah so it's that diversity of microbes within there and then the length of time which they're carrying out their processes so you've got bacteria and two different yeast Saccharomyces and Brett which are just doing slightly different things to produce a vast array of flavours over time and the longer you leave it the more they create their own sort of biosphere their own ecosystem and then they interact with each other some die some grow and it just becomes this cycle of interesting stuff mm. so the dead stuff becomes flavor the new stuff eats that and produces more flavors and it just keeps on going and going and going so is that where like the science type for you is like you've got to try to control those reactions and you know where what to do to yeah. kind of counter them or is that kind I'm of trying, the... trying to use a bit of theory to predict how something is going to go forward. Um, it doesn't always go like that. And more often than not, you've got to just see how it turns out and then look back at it and be like, ooh, why did it do that? Right. Um, and often you don't know. So you've just got to, <laughs> and you've already brewed five beers in that time. So you've got right. to wait another five, six beers before you can get around to actually like figuring it out again. Yeah. So like we mentioned, like you said, like it's been a year or something before you even released the beer. Yeah. So that was obviously because of the barrel aging process, and that what's yeah. what's that been like since you started? Because I think I saw you officially started like twenty twenty one, late twenty twenty one. Ooh, yeah. So we incorporated so in January January twenty one. Well, okay. And then May twenty two was when we released our first beer. Okay. So we, yeah, so we incorporated January. We our first beer was only in June. Yeah, because you know there was a whole process of like finding a space and yeah. getting the barrels over from France and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so it was like it was just just over eleven months between first brew and first release, which is yeah very very daunting because it's just you know. I see how is that? It must be like just uh, uh, maybe that's the the patience you put into it is what you enjoy and, and the, the process is obviously what you enjoy. But yeah, it must be like fucking hell. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You when it's your first one, like oh you know your first set that you've kind of brewed or whatever, and you release yeah. it. Yeah, we were we would so we were often told and advised like don't bother trying anything for like six months, maybe even a year in barrel. Right. And we were we did the total polar opposite, <laughs> which yeah. kind of drive was mad. We we wanted to chart it, we wanted to understand it, and you know kind of links back to, to what was Will was saying about kind of. The biochemistry of it, or we want to have a a, a sensory kind of te- testing of stuff. So we were trying every few weeks, especially early on, and it was kind of driving us a little bit mad because it was, you know, there was off flavors. There was like sulfur egginess. There was like acidity not coming for a while, and all this kind of stuff. And it was just really, it, yeah, is it going to become good? But fortunately, like like ninety five percent of the stuff that we've done in barrel has ended up coming good. It just takes time, and mm-hmm. I can kind of appreciate now why people say yeah just leave it like just write it a little bit <laughs> do not tell anyone for six months just in case like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, right. yeah we won't let it out of the bag yet until like, we know, like so what's that process like and like i said so you basically you're going back and forth to the barrels you, you're tasting it every was it a few weeks did you say yeah, yeah pretty much yeah so when do you feel like it's finished then what, what what's kind of that process of being like okay this is this beer is ready or you know it, it needs something else so you can you can do it by the actual finish of fermentation is once everything's kind of got down to where it needs to be and it's stable so you've got stable ph and you've got stable gravity after that it's basically just tasting it until it tastes good and if you've got i think we both have fairly similar 
flavours in mind when we're looking at brewing a beer or at least blending and producing a beer and we'd look for those flavours within that barrel and with the experience that we have and moving forward with the experience that we'll gain we'll be able to pick out when something is going to be ready and then also identify how it's going to change to become what we want it to be. Um, so we go through each barrel and we kind of taste four particular characters. So we want something that's like all of the all of the yeast strains that we use, the Brett strains in particular, are like very fruit forward. So we're waiting until things die down from some of the off flavours and then a lot of the fruit starts to come up. Right. And there's a point at which it just kind of goes, yes, it's there. Like you'll see with a lot of the barrels, the clarity will it'll be fairly hazy for a long time. But then at one point, it's about five or six months in, it'll just suddenly drop bright. And then it starts popping with those fruit characters. And then you can start tasting it and figuring it out. And then being like, ooh, this one might pair with this other barrel. This one's not quite ready. That one's ready. We'll see what we can do with these. And then do like test blends and things like that. Nice. Yeah. That's where the fun starts. That's when the fun yeah, starts. <laughs> so like I said, you, you, you said you went to uni for, you did like a brewing class. Did you, yeah. did you do that as well, James? So I did, I did a separate course. So I was doing it in kind of like my spare, while I was working at um, Charlton and then Squawk. I did some of the IBD qualifications, so I did the general certificate and then the diploma, which was really good. Um, I had a little bit less freedom, I think, than your master's. Like your master's yeah. was your like was it your dissertation that was in? Yeah, yeah. So it was in, yeah, it was basically on lambic, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so I, I did um, like a lit review, uh, which was all based around lambic, and then a final project, which was trying to isolate one particular part of a lambic fermentation in a lab setting and follow it through. Um, it kind of worked, but it kind of also, the sort of, the culmination of it was you have to have an entire lambic fermentation to actually understand the lambic fermentation. Right. You can't isolate one particular bit and try to chart the growth of that microbe because obviously it's in harmony with all the other ones in a lambic. So yeah. It kind of proved, I, I disproved my hypothesis. So that's, I mean, that's, kind, of, that's kind of the best thing to do sometimes. Would you recommend these cup costs then? Because it seems like it's very, uh, a small percentage of brewers, or professional brewers, I say, that have, have taken these courses or done anything outside of, you know, moving from home brew or stuff to, to just kind of mm. up. Like, would you recommend these types of courses then? Definitely. Yeah. I, I, for me, it was like really, Formative, like in just taking up a level, because you can learn a lot from just practical. You can be a, you can be a really really good brewer just learning the ropes from other people. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of the challenge, isn't it? You learn like one method, you learn one kit, whereas this just broadens your kind of knowledge of like, you know, there is it is actually a really really well researched and studied thing, uh, over like, well over a hundred years of science lit. So it's nice to be able to tap into that knowledge. People that have collated it really well, like the IBD, like Harry Watt. It's I I'd really recommend it. It definitely definitely pushed me on. It just makes you it makes you think about stuff like why are you doing these things, not just like the how. It's it's like the why as well, which is yeah. cool. And you can approach it from different points as well. So I came into it having not brewed professionally, having just brewed at home, but having a you know a science background, study wise. Then I went to the masters. And learned all that theory and then came to apply it and then learned the hows and the whys of the physical 
and then applied the knowledge on top of that, whereas James did kind of the other way around, where it's mm-hmm. practical first, and then theory to explain those whys and wherefores and such like. So what are the other methods you've learned uh, about research and uh, you've gained knowledge about this process then that you've kind of gone down with balance? I mean, what are the other avenues that you kind of, you, you've learned from besides the uh, academic side? Like beer history-wise, it, that's a fascinating aspect of beer and craft beer in general because things things are fairly cyclical so everything comes back around like you know whether it's lagers coming back into fashion again mm. or whether it's somebody finding a random bit of dried yeast in Norway and then that coming in to become this like hugely popular strain which is now in a huge number of east coast IPAs like that's another fascinating realm of it where it's just people who have not lost that heritage and maintaining that and keeping it going and then you can kind of dip into that and trans- transfer that over to modern or different brewing practices yeah i think that's a really cool thing i mean yeah directly for us that's taking saison yeast which is obviously quite a historical yeast and then bringing that into and obviously inspired by a lot of american breweries uh, burning sky and stuff like that bringing in a mixed culture as well with that mm. is for us like you know it's it's probably a hundred years ago those saisons would have been mixed firm anyway so yeah it's it's quite we're definitely taking from that that history as well is it taking that history as well and then also putting your own stamp on it and you can kind of be free range to kind of do what you want to do and you can maybe tweak little things to your own personal tastes or yeah, is that, is that... that's exactly it that's exactly it. so we can we can play around within the framework that we've created but we can use whatever whatever we decide really so we've used We've used quite um, yeast. We've used Lacansia, which is an acid-producing yeast, um, as well as just regular Saccharomyces from different sources. And so, I think having access to all of these, in terms of history, practical applications, and theoretical applications, like all of those things, you can just intersperse into your sort of timeline and different brews until you find something that sticks doesn't stick, works, like, yeah, it's just, there's just so much that we can do. So it's start of 2021 then, you decide, you know what, the world's pretty normal, yes. everything's going well, everything's <laughs> going all right. Let's yeah. fucking start brewing, let's start brewing, the two of us, and we'll fucking yeah. go. So uh, yeah. how, how, was, how did that come together and why did you decide that start of 2021 was so perfect for, uh, <laughs> for balance? I mean, it had been in the planning for, I mean, we, we probably first broached the idea five, six years ago, like, I, I, yeah. I would, roughly. And um, for the, probably since 2019, we were like really firmly planning it, and it was just a case of getting the money together, uh, which took a, quite a while, and then just planning it out and like making sure that we were getting the right idea and like it all kind of worked financially, um, making sure that we could do it like in evenings and weekends, because, you know, we, we, we don't have a brew kit, we never planned to have a brew kit, so making sure that we could brew at other places at the weekend, and yeah, so it was, there was a lot of planning. I mm. think it was just 2021 was when it finally all came together, and it was just like, okay, we're ready to go. Yeah. It's always, it was just a no time like the present kind of situation. Yeah. Just, you've got to kind of do it. Like, we we once tried to homebrew this kind of beer, and we just <laughs> sacked it off after like an hour. We were like, we're both producing like thousands of litres of, of beer a week, 
Yeah, Why are we making twenty? Yeah, yeah, well, not well, house full of barrels. It would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was like, why are we making twenty five litre that's going to get fermented in like plastic or glass? Yeah, and it's going to be nothing like a barrel fermented beer. And at that point, we're like, okay, we need to fill a barrel. And then we're like, how are we going to do that? So it was just a case of facilitating that. It's like, how are we going to learn to make barrel fermented beer without using a barrel? You're not. So we just had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Johnny Mills we went to a tasting at Port Street and he was that like 2019 2020 yeah, I think it must have been 2019 yeah it must have been 19 yeah. and we talked to him about kind of the, the idea and he was just like you just got to do it just do it just do it every time we were just like oh I'm not sure about this he was just like just do it <laughs> he was like start fucking talking to me yeah yeah exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so he was kind of instrumental in just in our switch going and just being like yeah let's do it it's like I don't want to be the only fucking one doing this yeah. please, <laughs> please come and join me so I've got someone else like. um, so obviously you were both uh, our history in the brewing industry anyway before it's not like this you've just jumped off from fucking home brewing to doing this Yeah. so what were your both uh, situations at the time when the brewery started and um, how did that work with balance how did you balance balance at the time? Uh, well with difficulty <laughs> uh, so yeah I was I was full time at track and we're trying to sort of we were getting barrels in we're trying to fill barrels we're trying to brew we're trying to sort of manage everything do socials and get labels done and do artwork for all that kind of thing and yeah it was difficult but we just had to slot it in somewhere mm-hmm. and we yeah. found we found time and we made it work it was it was the, the biggest hurdle was that you know the, the year with no money coming in from brew yeah. to yeah to like packaging and releasing it was so we we knew we had we, we couldn't pack in our day jobs with like never made a sale we never, you know what I mean we had to do it in evenings and weekends and yeah it was a really tough tough bit of time so when I was I was head brewer of Swark at the time and yeah it was just like yeah judicious use of holidays some favours from Ollie just like to pop down and collect a pallet of yeah, bottles or whatever yeah. and little things like that so yeah it was it was a real challenge that yeah but lots of lots of help from like for on my side from Sam and from track generally uh, lots of support and blessing to be able to do this on the side because yeah you know we're not we're not competing but we are in the Manchester beer scene um but luckily that scene is incredibly sort of friendly sharing and caring as well so a lot of favors called in a lot of you know days where the van was borrowed and stuff was like dropped off and taken and you know moved about when when we could it was yeah it's very much appreciated, but it was a, it was a tough time still. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something new in Manchester as well. That's the thing. Like yeah. it's not, you, it's not like you're coming in just brewing dippers and tippers again. Like it's, it's something that's different. And yeah, you walk four doors down from Shaw Shot or whatever, and like two minutes yeah. walk from Track and Carl Watt and that. So that's it. That's it. Uh, so for for that last year, then for I mean, it's, it feels quite unique, uh, a business type of you know, you create the product for a year and kind of cultivate it for that yeah. long and don't don't release anything how was was it May of last year then when you released how were you feeling when it finally kind of started getting out there was the apprehension were you excited was it yeah a bit of both yeah definitely a bit of both like it was it was uh, yeah yeah I mean it was the, the like we did the launch at Bermoff and it was yeah it was proper it was a bit euphoric really because like the reception was reception was really good like we were really happy with the beer but you know even 
last minute we were like, God, what was if this one keg that's there is just really <laughs> yeah. rubbish for some reason? It's flat or it just tastes yeah. terrible. And we'd tried like a one of the kind of like our first off the line bottles that are kind of not saleable and, and it had, had a bit of sulfur in it still. And we we're like, oh Jeez. no, what well, God, what was it from the night? Everyone's just tasting this. And fortunately, yeah, the kegs were, were perfect um, and it went down really well. But yeah, it was, you know, I think you just have those apprehensions and kind of just got to jump in. And, but you know, we, we're pretty, we, we trust the beer, we trust ourselves enough that we're not going to make something rubbish. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it, was, it was a really good moment. It's different, like, but mostly from like your day jobs or like tracking squawk and that it's like not that you're releasing bad beer but you know if the beer's not exactly how you wanted it you know that you can rebrew it pretty regularly or pretty soon and kind of tweak mm. those things whereas this is like well you've been doing it for a year or six months or whatever it is and you put it out there and uh, fucking I don't know it just seems so much <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's it, you're kind of taking it in your hands and just hoping with it yeah. Yeah. you've got to trust yourself a bit as well and you guess like well, that, that's it. it like we've put so much thought effort time and between us a lot of skill into producing this hopefully what we thought was the right environment for this beer mm. so we had you know 95% faith yeah, and yeah. then there was 5% like luck but yeah, luckily we we've done all right out of it. To be fair, so we haven't really we haven't had to throw anything away. I don't think we've had we've thrown a couple of things, uh, but that was just by the by. Mm. If you're perfect, then yeah, what's the point? Well, well yeah. that's it. I mean, yeah, a lot of people like factor in dumping some stuff in in this game. Um, like yeah, we want to we want to avoid that one. That's be zero, but you know it, it happens at clean brews as well, doesn't it? Yeah. You see posts about like oh really sorry about this beer R.I.P. it's going down the drain <laughs> like yeah so I'll drink that yeah. mood <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I saw you mentioned I think it might have been like an old post you posted that you maybe looking at spontaneous fermentation at some point yeah. how does how does that work in Manchester and we have the cleanest air in the country I've, I've heard so uh, yeah well we'll find, we'll find out <laughs> <laughs> I hear all the, all the bacteria from the trains above us yeah that's going to be perfect add to it national rail with yeah, yeah. that bacteria <laughs> but yeah how does that work in Manchester how do you, how do you kind of uh, hmm. well it's it's going to be an interesting thing to find out because yeah. we've we've done some small scale spontaneous tests when we were at Cholton did a few bits and bobs there didn't really yield any particularly good results to be honest Um I know Cloudwater have done some spontaneous stuff and having talked to the brewers that have produced those, the it sounds like the vessels that they're using allowed the work to get to a fairly high temperature, so like maybe 40 odd degrees, which was good for lactic uh, growth, but not necessarily for yeast growth. So like acidity was sort of out of whack potentially. Okay. Um, so yeah, for us, I think it's going to be quite a quite an interesting experience to figure it out. The, the plan is to sort of diverge and have mixed fermentation, mixed culture brewing as one sort of arm, and then experiment with spontaneous capture, which is just doing small scale spontaneous fermentations, just caught in like, you know, a little tray, right. and then doing five litre fermentations, stepping that up and seeing, seeing if there are some good aspects to those fermentations and to those beers. And then if, if those are positive, then we'll use that as another stream and produce 
barrels from that. And then ultimately, it would be amazing to have a cool ship and to produce work, inoculate it in the cool ship, and then put it into barrels mm-hmm. and just do it like the old school way, you know, Cantillon esque, and just do it the proper old fashioned way. Mm. I've had that as a third sort of sidearm. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of Pantheon though, like it's climate wise, it's very similar to a and it's yeah. in the middle of a city. Kind of in the middle, you know, there's no trees around, there's nothing nice, like I can't imagine the air quality is that much higher than Manchester. No, no. There's a bit of grass so, across the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think I think potentially there is I mean I, I feel hopeful that it's gonna it's gonna work, yeah. but I, I think you know you've got to get your conditions right and stuff. And that's what we we're aiming to do. Yeah, give it the best possible chance to work. I think it's exciting though, man. This, this, this kind of thing is like possibilities, like kind of yeah, not endless, but you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot of possibilities you can do. There's with so it. much scope with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I saw in a post about you were aging hops, which is uh, I've heard hops fade fast, and that's kind of <laughs> that's all, the only way to drink beer. I've heard is just, it's just mm. you know they don't fade fast enough for us. Oxidise quick. That's what we need. <laughs> uh, so, what was that? What's the thing about that then? What's the kind of how does that work with the, the beer brewing then? Because I've, I'm sure I've read it somewhere, but I've never. I don't, you don't come across it often where brewers like, oh yeah, we're raising these hops for however long. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it's from old spontaneous brewing. So they use hops. Obviously, have their antimicrobial properties, but then when they're fresh, they have a lot of flavour and a lot of bitterness. So over time, those bitterness compounds will be oxidised and break down. That'll produce... Um, they will also have other compounds produced within that ageing process, and then, but it'll still retain its antimicrobial properties. So you load those hops into the boil, and that will protect the, the wort and the beer in its initial phases of fermentation. Right, yeah. And then it will add compounds which can be flavour-active further down the line. So it's either compounds that are already flavour active in and of themselves or compounds which can be broken down further to liberate these bound aroma compounds. And there's a not there's a lot about that in craft at the moment, especially with like thialized yeasts. Okay. So things like um I'm just gonna nod and say yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like the the enzymatic process of releasing those compounds from bound compounds. So like thial yeasts will break away um, one part of the compound from another, releasing the flavour active one okay. uh, and allowing that to sort of shine. Um, and the enzyme that is responsible for that is already resident in spontaneous yeasts and in some like uh, mixed firm yeast as well. So we're kind of utilising that to produce flavours downstream. I think I understand. It's, 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 it's usually not very well. It's my, probably better. So, like, how how does this compare, like, to your to your day jobs? Then, do you, do you obviously it's very um, labour intensive, and you still the mass amount of knowledge you know for that brewing side. Do you come here and it's kind of relaxing, or does this come here to be like the nerdy side of things and kind of showcase that side? And how how do the two work together? Like, what do you get out of both? Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, the the just the pace of things is de- definitely different. Yeah, like we, you know, we brew, we were brewing like three, four times. I think truck were brewing more than that per week. Yeah. And yeah, the, for, for that, there's like a there's a real day to day. Like your day just flies by. You're literally just brewing, and that's it. 
Whereas, you know, we've we've only brewed 12 gals so far, so we've brewed less than once a month in our existence. We imagine that's going to get up to between like one and tw- once and twice a month in like the, the, when we've got a load more barrels coming in. But it's never going to reach that same level of volume. The kind of the time is in like analyzing the barrels, is in like literally taking stuff out of the barrels and packaging smaller amounts and stuff like that. So it does definitely does have a different pace. It's actually it's quite nice, although I do really miss work production in some ways because there's mm. something really nice to get your hands on ingredients and I don't know, yeah, dry up and stuff and what have you as well. So yeah, it's a it's a different pace. I don't know. I'm quite yeah. quite welcome it in a certain way. It way-wise. is nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's also like we've got to look after everything now as well. Yeah. So we're not we're not just coming in and working eight or five or whatever and producing some work or packaging some beer or dry hopping or gravities or whatever and then going home we're coming in and we're like how are we going to structure the next six months of <laughs> brewing packaging art um, design social media labels, and social media photography all that kind of stuff like so it's it brings with it its own challenges but it's we're, we're in control and that's the mm. that's the beautiful thing about it is we have control of everything and if something goes wrong, it's it's on us. So we have to try and mitigate that. As much as <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's just two of you as things are. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Split, yeah. Blame the other one. Just blame each other. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get on to uh, the subjects of barrels then. So obviously, this is going to be a big part of balance. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are you sourcing these barrels? What are you looking for when you are sourcing them? Like, what was the kind of thing uh, before you started that you were looking for that you, you wanted to get? Ooh. So we knew, we knew. I assume it's not like a barrel magazine you can go to and like, it's not I a wish. catalogue. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Like, if, if there wasn't a about it, yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we were specifically like, we were looking for the, like if you're a, a brewery putting stout in a whiskey barrel, you're looking for whiskey character. We're looking for the opposite. We're using them much more like a neutral fermentation vessel. So we'd heard about um h&a the these barrel merchants in france uh we'd heard about them from crossover who had a lot of good words to say about them and they basically we get all these they're all extra wine barrels they come over really heavily steamed and sulfured and effectively they're just as neutral as possible allowing us to just put our own culture our own slant onto it uh they're also in like beautiful condition like they're clean there's no leaks um yeah, the the only problem with getting them from France was just importing, and it, yeah, I think if we'd have done it before Brexit, we would have saved like twenty percent, I reckon. Brexit wasn't good for you. Yeah, <laughs> no, who would have thought it? Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but effectively, I mean, we view them kind of. I mean, I hear people refer to barrels as like an ingredient, but it's definitely a big part of this kind of beer. Like, if it would be a totally different product if it was aged in steel. Like the barrels themselves are like you know, uh, uh, have loads of resident microbes and, you know, bacteria and yeast that will be living in there, like, and that will eventually mean that each barrel ends up with a slightly different little microclimate of, of the bugs in there, so each barrel produces different beer, like, we've pitched the same things in two barrels and they're not remotely the same, one might be like lemons, one might be like pineapples, and... Yeah, and that's such a <laughs> such a beautiful part of the process. Like we can literally put the same thing in; it's different. And I can only imagine over time we're gonna get like a favourite barrel that's like really <laughs> yeah. delicious every time. And then we have the naughty barrel that takes forever to get. I was ready. gonna say it sounds like they're children, not your ingredients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll put the naughty one in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird to be like, yeah, you know, I assume you just ordered a number of barrels. 
and they were just like, yeah, give them this six. Whereas they give them another six down the rate, where you got completely different stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's very much sort of just place the order, and it's in their hands. They're, I don't think they're not going to be particularly choosy. They're going to have a stock of two hundred and twenty-five liter barrels, a stock of four hundred liter barrels, and a stock of three hundreds, and just choose you know fifty from there, ten from there, whatever from there. And but at this end, um, I guess for us, it's going to be the number of barrels that we have is going to give us the range of different qualities that we need, which will allow us to blend and increase the sort of complexity throughout over 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 the course of time. Mm. Um, at the moment, we're fairly limited in that we've got a small number of barrels, but as we get more and more, we'll be able to you know blend to slightly different characters. We'll be able to put slightly different beer into different into different barrels, and we can blend from you know. Maybe one's got like a, a slightly higher hopping rate. Maybe one's got a little bit more acidity. Maybe one's got this specific character that we're after, and we'll use a higher proportion of that. It just gives us a really nice palette to work with, mm. um, regardless of whether it's just being picked at random or whether it's specifically chosen. I think as we add more and more barrels, we'll just get a, a greater palette to choose from. That's, that's you know, it. like a character of each one, like yeah. You've got yeah. So what what is the process then? You get the barrels delivered like what's the process then do you do anything before you put the beer in it do you what what's what's the kind of the process for yeah. your end so from at, at their end they've got it into a position where the barrel can be stored for probably up to about six months without being touched um at a push uh, once we're ready to put some beer into it or some work into it mm. what we'll do is take the bung out give it a really good hot rinse and then a steam to get rid of that sulfur because the, the sulfur kills the microbes during storage but then you don't want to have that in when the beer goes in. So the steaming and the rinsing will just flush all of that um, superficial sulfur out which is just, it'll only be in the surface layer of the barrel but you just want to rinse that until it's, mm. until the rinse water is like tasting good basically. Like right. If you're happy to drink the rinse water then the barrel's ready to use. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then once, once it's like that we'll sort of drain it upside down and then bung it the right way up and have it ready to go. So it'll come back to like room temperature or arch temperature and then we'll fill it up. So, yeah. cool. so you mentioned like blending a few times as well, like how does that process go? Like what, it seems very, that can be quite stressful, I don't know, is it a, is it a fun part of oh, it's the thing? It's the, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the most fun part. <laughs> it's just, it's I have a terrible palate, so maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say shit, so maybe that's why I like. But, um, no, it's, it's so much fun to, to get to the end of this process that's taken six, eight, ten months or whatever and have a glass in front of you that's got beer in it. That tastes nice. That tastes good, <laughs> that tastes ready. And, and you're just like... And then you... So the process is we go through whichever barrel we think is going to be ready. We'll do a quick like yes-no on each of them. And then the ones that remain in the yes pile, we will figure out what we're going to be blending for, whether it's blending for fruit, whether it's blending for a dry hop saison, or whether it's blending for something entirely different. We'll have an idea, and we'll have discussed the idea of where that beer needs to be flavour-wise, what characters we want, like level of acidity, level of bitterness, level of woodiness. Um, some of the barrels have quite a lot of glycerol, I think, uh, from the yeast through fermentation, and also vanillins from the wood, which will increase sweetness. So we'll kind of use all those points and try to bring those together into one thing. And we'll take through those yes pile barrels and then construct something from that. 
towards that intended purpose. So it's more like a personal taste on that side of things than for the, from the blending side. Or oh, do you kind of are you kind of aiming for something you've tasted before? Or, you know that. What you, what what is your kind of preference for that? Like, and how how does that work? Should I say? Mm. Well, we, we we definitely we've tried to blend this the saison saison de maison to be relatively similar. Uh, one big tasting note in that is like a little bit of like pineapple character, and we've seen like certain barrels, certain yeasts that have really brought that, and we've been really chuffed with that. Um, otherwise, it's because we're pretty limited in the number of barrels. It's been a little bit like what what would go best with this fruit or whatever. We've not really tried to blend anything else to be the same. Uh, it's been oh this this blend is tasting really vanilla-y, so that might be nice with. Uh, cherries or whatever and this one will be really good with with raspberries and stuff like that um it's been it's been quite it's amazing to see how additive sometimes it is like you have a barrel that's really nice you have a barrel that's really nice sometimes you put them together and it's okay and sometimes you'd be like wow yeah like i said before like if one tastes like lemon and one tastes like pineapple suddenly you've got like lemony pineapple and it's just like so much more complex yeah um yeah it's it's, it's a great part of the process it's by far yeah not by far the rest one bit but it's a really good bit and yeah I look forward to one day having like a load of barrels that we can pick from and just pull away and be like, oh, this one tastes great with that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I've just realised like 10 minutes ago that Saison the Maison means basically like house Saison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like Saison in the house for like a year. Saison <laughs> <laughs> in the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a, it was kind of a holding name for a long time because it was a bit of a, a bit of a piss take. Because a lot of people sort when of... When I first heard it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's Saison de Maison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, rhyming name, I, don't, right? I don't think it's... I don't think it's the correct, like, French. I don't think it rings <laughs> properly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like... If, was it a feminine and masculine or something? Got, like, wrong yeah, well, I, it's I, like, I, I don't, it was just like a holding name. But then it became... Because a lot of people associate with this romantic idea of, like, the French farming region and mm. the Saisonniers and, like, you know, drinking gallons of 3% Saison. And... That was just the holding name, and it just became. It was just easy. Like it just, yeah. it just made itself. So we landed on that, and it's just a happy accident, really. And it's hard to kind of make. You can't call it saison. You know what I mean? Like it, it, that's that's saison de maison is a balanced name now as well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's not just <laughs> saison one, saison two. Yeah. Really like, yeah. Um, so you've done. Have you done two blends of saison de maison so far? Yeah. What was the kind of? What did you get from the first one that you wanted to? possibly change or what was the differences between the first and the second that you kind of either you wanted to change or was kind of happy accident when it came to the second blend mm. key key difference was the dry hop um, so first one was Golding second one was UK Cascade we've actually got a third in bottle that should be ready in a month or two and uh, that's hot with Bramling Cross which was our original like trial dry hop um, we basically we we at this stage, we don't think you can nail a recipe first time, knowing that from clean beer, especially in this kind of beer. So we don't want to have like a beer that's the same every time, but maybe we'll work towards that. Maybe not as well. Uh, but it was just, yeah, it was a case of trying different things, like what works best. Mm. You know, you can only predict so well how a hop is going to age after three months in bottle. Like you can't say for certain that it's going to taste how it did when it went into bottle. So we, we had to try different things. Um, yeah, the blends have been pretty consistent though. Yeah, fairly similar. Um, consistent, it's, it's, re it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. We've got it as close to what we think Saison de Maison should taste like as we can. Mm. It's not going to be 
exactly the same, but that's that's kind of the point. That's the beauty of it mm. is that it is changing, it is growing, it is becoming becoming itself over time. Mm. Like the ABV's changed, the hops have changed, the the grist is fairly similar, so the base beers are fairly similar, but then within that there are going to be little nuances of change, uh, and that's that's just a really nice thing. And to have a central, you know, beer that we can come back to and just iterate on again and again and again is a really nice thing because we can have these offshoots of highly fruited beers or like we can have beers that we dry hop even more just as an experiment but having this one single sort of like constant I think is a really nice thing and I think one of the most fun things of beer is like taking different iterations of the same beer like yeah. you know Burning Sky done yeah, a few to no. the shares and that but I assume it would be nice in a few years to be like take one, two, three, or whatever you get up to, and be like, okay, we'll just kind of taste the differences and how they've aged and all that. If we can keep hold of them. Yeah. <laughs> we keep drinking them. I know, yeah. <laughs> That's a good problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get high yeah. supply then. <laughs> um, so you mentioned like fruit, fruit additions a few times. Like, where are you getting these, where are you getting fruit from? Because I assume you're not, you know, especially right now, you're not going to the supermarket. And I'm like, you've got to kind of get one of the best you can get. And where, where do you get this fruit from and what you're kind of looking for? When you're, uh, do you know like before you uh, start doing a beer, what fruit you're gonna add to it, or is it kind of just what, what's available at the time, and you kind of work to what you've got? Yeah, so we, our approach to fruit is, we have a lot of trust in the suppliers that we use. So we use somebody down in Kent, um, who has access to a lot of fruit, and we've also used um, Organic North up in Manchester as well, who have sourced from suppliers and growers the fruit that we want. So we've we've said we want 100 kilos of damsons and they've supplied that. We don't really have hands on, like feet on the ground, mm. testing those damsons and being like, oh, these are, these are ready to pick now. We must harvest today. <laughs> like we're putting a lot of trust in the producers. Um, everything's British. So like as a, as a company, we want to use as much British produce as we can, mm. as far as we possibly can. Like it's difficult with barrels, obviously, because we don't have a, a great wine heritage here so we don't have many ex-red wine barrels hanging around in the UK and so we, we need to we'll go abroad but in terms of fruit we do we do pretty well in the UK mm-hmm. and we've got a lot of really nice fruit and a lot of suppliers who are very careful and very caring about how they produce their fruit so yeah faith trust and a bit of luck sometimes <laughs> <laughs> was a lot of research going into that then or were you kind of for your jobs like did you know these suppliers and you, you kind of knew where to go to yeah it, it, you kind of come across them spontaneously uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah through track you're ready for me to brew us now let's go stand on bars and stuff here and there so yeah got introduced to a supplier through track and then got in touch with her after that and yeah like, and through Organic North that's somebody that we've known for a long time and We've used we we did use puree for one beer, mm. um, which we will never use again. Okay. Um, that came from contact in Scotland, which is no, through Johnny actually at the Holy Coke. Um, but yeah, we we try and keep everything as as high quality as possible. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so Tom couldn't be here, obviously. Not that he's going anyway. But um, <laughs> he, he sent us three questions over. Oh really? <laughs> so he wanted, he's got three questions. First was favorite cheese play with your beers well <laughs> both being vegan it'll have to be a vegan oh. cheese <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
Mate, you've got to be the first like balanced vegan cheese pairing. Well, that's that's it's, it's, it's on the cards. Yeah, yeah. That's so fucking vegan man. cheese. Mouse's favourite are amazing. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. Mouse's favourite. Mouse's favourite. So they do. Okay. It's, it's. I think it's cashew based, but it's like fermented with cheese cultures, with like cheese wow, bacteria. Okay. So like yeah. penicillin, roquefort, and stuff like that. Like and did he? Yeah, do a banging camembert. That's mm. really good. I, I honestly think I yeah. think a lot of a lot Bang of people eat cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the good, that's the name of the night. Is it, I think uh, it's called chamembert, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's yeah. just it's the yeah, just really they're they're just really good. Like I've not eaten cheese for quite a long time, so but the people that I've given it to that still eat cheese have been pretty impressed. Mm. Like it lo- I mean, it looks like a camembert. It eats pretty much like a camembert. It's just dead nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, I quite like. There's one called Vegan Zola as well. Vegan Zola, which is okay. like a, you know, cashew-based gorgonzola okay. type thing. Because I'm veggie, but like, I like applewood. That's I haven't really di- like gone yeah, so yeah. far into the vegan cheeses yet. But apple was always my favourite. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, please do a vegan cheese. Under, we will. People are gonna kick that fuck off. <laughs> it's gonna be fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, pause and is the next question then. Favourite anything to pair with your beers then? Ooh. Mm. Have you gone down the food balance pairing like personally yeah. a little so, bit? Or? I mean, that's food and beer is, is, a, is a massive thing. Like both of us really like food and beer, surprisingly. <laughs> so putting those things together is, yeah, that's the dream for us. We're going to do a lot of that in the future. And... But yeah, I think for me, it's like trying to find the perfect thing to pair with. In terms of food, trying to find something that will pair perfectly with like the damson beer. Mm. Like whether you're contrasting or matching flavours across the beer and the food, yeah. it's yeah. I always like going for desserts generally. Mm. Um, even even with like the saison, I quite like um, desserts. Just add a little bit of sort of umami savoury from the beer into as contrast to the sweetness but mm. I think um, particularly with the saison deep fried stuff the acid uh, nice nice high carb it just like cuts through cuts through it really nice so tempura veg very nice um, just chips chips and saison is a fucking chips good combination saison, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a great meal between yeah. you yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's it we need, to, yeah. we need to host these nights <laughs> cheese board after yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so his last question was, is it true you're working on a sour beer that doesn't give you heartburn? <laughs> oh, no yes, comment. That's no comment. <laughs> 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 when you call that market, you can, uh, no one else can touch it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like I mentioned before that like, we're in the railway arch right now. Um, so you've got your own premises now and there's word of a tap room op- opening. There is. In, we'll just say in 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Um, oh no! Yeah. So was that always the plan? Like, how did it come about? Did you just get the premise and feel like, oh, a tap room would work here, or it was it was one hundred percent part of the plan. It ended up we ended up getting a slightly larger premises than we first went for because we were like, we we need a tap room. It's so I mean, you look at so many breweries and it's so important to what they're doing. But I think for us, it just allows us to be allows it to be our space to present the beer in the way we want to, mm. to like be a point of sale and a point of just like, I really want to make. I think particularly the saison amazon. I want it on draft. I want it in like two in schooners. I think it'd just be a really nice beer to like have in that kind of environment, um, and just be able to host events and stuff mm. like that. 
Um, it's, it was pretty integral to the plan, wasn't it? Totally. Yeah. And to, to create and curate our own space is just, it's the dream. Like, we can we can host our own vegan cheese nights. Oh, <laughs> I'm can, so down for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can do, like, you know, supper clubs between the barrels and that kind of thing. Yes. Like, yes. That's the chippy tea. Yeah, <laughs> chippy tea on the food. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> it just gives us a lot of scope. And we can, we can create something that I think Manchester doesn't have at the moment. So That's what's kind of, me as a drinker side of things, is really yeah. exciting. Like, you know... For people who don't know, we're, like I said, we're really close to Shore Shore, track and car walk around the corner. So to have you here that are doing something completely different, I yeah. you know, obviously car walk and track have kind of touched on this mm. type of beer a bit in the past, but to have this attack pretty much only based on these like wild beers and barrel yeah. fermented beers and that is, yeah, it's going to be fucking mm. And it's, it's going to be like a, the, the other tap rooms in Manchester are very, especially along this row, are very clean and quite precise and modern American style kind of thing, and we're we're sort of going to throw it back and have a bit of a old school pub. Dirty. Slash, well, not dirty necessarily. <laughs> but, you know, I, mean, I think we both want it to feel like you're walking into a pub slash Belgian beer cafe, and just have a really nice experience in here. Mm. You know, maybe get some little snacks on the table, little nibbles. You know, <laughs> somebody comes over and says, "Would you like a?" Like a glass of jug of saison or something like that. <laughs> Please don't say it's vegan cheese, but if you do cheese, don't say it's vegan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, it's cheese is the best ever. Absolutely, yeah, it's great. fucking vegan. Shit. So, how, I mean, I think you can walk around before, like, and we mentioned that, you know, it's an exciting thing to kind of, again, bring this space to what you two want. Mm. But then, how. But also, you know, you've got to kind of meet expectations or, you know, yeah. money-wise and all this type of thing. Like, what what do you definitely want to bring in, you know, look-wise? And I know you mentioned, like, Belgian-type thing or old-school a little bit more, but how, how do you kind of bring that together and what you kind of... Not, do you, you know what you want and what you don't want, should I say? Like, a bit of trial and error, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of conversation. A lot of conversation. A lot of crossing things off the list rather than, you know, just yeah. throwing a load of things on the, on the wall... And then just slowly crossing them off until we find something that we both agree on, one, and that we want definitely to have. Mm. There's a lot of things that we definitely want to have, I think, but mm. probably too many to do all together. So we yeah. have to like we have to shrink that list a little bit. Um, I think we both have a fairly sort of hazy idea of what it'll look like in the end, but it's just like clarifying that I think, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's like like sending. We haven't really touched much on draft beer that you're doing, like, you know, and obviously you emphasis a lot on bottles. But yeah. <clears throat> will it be? I assume be bottles and draft here then, and you'll kind of have a few on at a time, and people can come in. And yeah, yeah, it's good. I think we're gonna have a significant amount of draft here, like probably four lines to start with. Yeah, roughly. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's a little, it's a little bit up in the air. There's still a lot of decisions to be made, but yeah, draft is, and I think it's gonna be one of the few places you'll get our draft beer. All the time, like I don't, we don't, we're not going to be ever going to be a volume brewery. We're never going to produce loads of beer. You know, we hope to produce a bit more keg beer for trade, but at the minute we have nothing for trade. We've got like twenty kegs in the brewery, and that's all destined for the tap room. And it's not like we can turn something around in a few weeks. Like yeah, it's sure. yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, draft is draft is really important. We kind of imagine that you know three quarters of what we'll sell in the tap room will be draft beer, but then there's also going to be like, you know limited release bottles and like bottles for hopefully like a year age saison and stuff yeah, like that tastings yeah. and saison and stuff yeah, yeah. Get a little, 
little paper pamphlet down to people and yeah, yeah. Okay, they got see this on the May song four years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 200 quid fucking million that's it yeah yeah, yeah. also <laughs> uh, big bucks yeah. <laughs> bring the uh, I suppose this is a special special announcement probably do some cask season as well oh fuck <laughs> I'll like, ask because obviously I'm not going to fucking do it that's fucking it is that oh well is she not you going to set up up here or is this going to be like a tap room only thing or is it going to be it's, it's definitely going to be tap room yeah. like, yeah. I can't don't, don't waste it cafe beer mafia <laughs> <laughs> what are you fucking doing now <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it, it might be very we've got literally like one pin in the brewery so yeah we don't really got much to go around <laughs> not much no. it'd be, it'd be, again it'd be nice to do a little bit more but yeah it's going to be super limited like we're not we can't see ourselves doing more than one pin a month here or whatever so I think I mean, it should be a special you know maybe first yeah. Saturday of the month or something would be quite yeah. nice wouldn't it yeah. I mean if we're away doing cask then anyone can do <laughs> true <laughs> um, so obviously you've got tap room to look forward to at some point what, what's kind of the rest of 2023 looking like for balance um, a lot of collaborations in the planning a lot of trips um, trying to get into more restaurants trying to get into more Places generally, pubs, bars around the country, and just a bit of consolidation. I think, like, just trying to trying to make it work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we kind of we're just finding our feet with this space, so yeah. we're gonna there's gonna there's gonna just be a lot like everything that we've done in the last year. There's just gonna be a lot more of everything, plus trying to build a tap room. So we sh- we're gonna brew twice to three times as much as we did have we done in total in just this year alone. Mm. Um, we're going to release more beer this year than last year and you know that's only going to be growing over time uh, so yeah just just hopefully hopefully good things yeah <laughs> just yeah growth and, and just yeah making it a business where we can afford to pay ourselves yeah, yeah that's <laughs> the dream <laughs> yeah dreaming big <laughs> um, what beer should people look out for from Balance then over the next few months we're in February now end of February like mm-hmm. what's the uh the release list like for the next few months for balance what should people keep an eye out for? well because we, we've just got our license so we, we're able to now sell stuff um, and the first beer that's on the cards is going to be Clingstone which is actually going to be released on what what day are we on now on the 24th so it's going to be released depending on when this goes out it might be tomorrow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah so yeah that's going to be what day is that <laughs> Let's get the date. It's the 28th. Is it the 2nd? Is it the 2nd? I think March? it's the 2nd, yeah. The 2nd is a Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, on the on the, on the the 2nd uh, of March, we're going to be releasing Clingstone, which is our... Uh, it's a blend of two barrels, which has then been aged on second use Damsons for five or six months, I think it was, mm. um, and then bottled, and it's been in bottle for now coming up to six months, I think. Yeah, 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 really long time, longer time it's than we usually time. wait, just because of the license issue. Mm. Um, uh, but it's it's tasting really good, uh, and we're just very excited to be able to sell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's interesting. So if anyone who's listening has tried jam, it's the same yeah. damsons from that. Okay, um, yeah. And the idea was to kind of in jam uh, a lot. Some of the character, um, particularly this kind of almondy note, from, is from the stones, and we've wanted to reuse that and really emphasize that character because it's something you do get in like you get in creek from the cherry stones you get it in with damson beers we really wanted to like take the focus away from the fresh fruit and put it on the 
the kind of the stone character, and I think it's quite pretty good. And it's an amazing yeah. color as well, really mm. unique color. Sick. Well, yeah. thanks for chatting to us. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to bothering you for it. Thanks for coming down. I'll be bothering you about the cask. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for chatting to us, and uh, yeah, it's all going to be good stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, I think it's been great. Yeah,